Brick Moon Fiction presents I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire by Jack Moody Narrated by Nicholas Thurkettle How are we on elevation? Master Sergeant John Slansky flipped on the autopilot and removed his headset. We're there. His co-pilot, Airman First Class Sam Quarry, followed suit and leaned back. I've just never flown one of these things before. The C-17 military cargo plane glided through an unrelenting sea of black towards an undisclosed destination. All they had were coordinates and an ominous set of orders. How is it that you're not familiar with what you're flying? Slansky asked. Well, sir, I suppose there weren't too many able-bodied pilots left to choose from. Yeah. It's a big plane. It is. Slansky eyed Quarry gawking at the minefield of buttons and switches on the control panel. He removed the flask from the inside of his fatigues and turned his head away to drink. The burn removed something, but not enough. Must be pretty important, huh? Quarry chirped, trying to keep up conversation to avoid the crisis below them from seeping back into his mind. What? Slansky replied. Well, the mission. How did you... I imagine we both came into this the same way, blindfolded and fucking clueless. But we're here now, so let's stick to the task at hand. I've just never heard of an operation like this one, waking up in the middle of the night and whisked away like this. I tried to pay attention to the turns they took, but I couldn't stay focused like that. These are different times, said Slansky. Different kinds of missions now. Everything is going to be different now. What do you think it is? his co-pilot asked twitching around in his flight gear. It's dangerous, that's all I know. Do you think it has anything to do with the virus? Who knows? I hope not. I'd rather be carrying a ton of leaking plutonium than something that's got anything to do with the virus. What's it up to now? The fatality rate? 25%. Slansky knew that number well. He knew everything there was to know about the virus now. Query sucked his teeth. Geez, every country? Every country. I wonder what's happening just below us, said Quarry. How many people are sick or dying right below us? All I know is it's better to be up here, Slansky replied. The whirring of cold machinery absorbed the silence between them. Sporadic beeps and red lights went off, giving the men brief respites from the pervading claustrophobia the cockpit created. For such big planes, Slansky never felt like he was piloting anything more than a small metal coffin. Family? Quarry attempted to resuscitate the conversation once more. A dry lump formed in Slansky's throat, and he wished for a moment alone to nurse from the flask resting against his waist. No, he said. Bachelor, huh? Can't let go of that Air Force pussy yet. I get you. Slansky ignored him. I had a family. They're dead. Corey froze, and his eyes shot back towards the control board in front of him. Oh. Oh, shit, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean any... I had a wife and two daughters. I found out they were sick while I was on base and drove the six hours to go take care of them. Before I even got there, they were already dying. That's three dead out of a family of four. I wonder where all those fucking scientists got that statistic, because that sure as shit ain't 25. Slansky instinctually reached for the flask, but stopped himself short, digging his finger into his ribs to replicate what he was looking for as best he could. 
Do you know what the virus does to the human body, Quarry? Have you seen it? Have you seen someone who's sick? No. No, sir, I haven't. They screamed, begged for the doctor to kill them, and only when the virus finally did, did the screaming stop. Their... Slansky coughed and swallowed down a small sob, pinched his side and bit his tongue to quell the tears forcing their way through as he tried to speak. Their faces were... They were frozen like that, in pain. Their eyes... I wouldn't wish this virus upon my worst enemy, Quarry, if I ever get it. I'm telling you right now, son. Put a bullet in my fucking head. You'd be doing me a favor. Quarry stared ahead out the cockpit window, as if there were anything to see other than an empty night sky. Should, should we go check on the cargo? Why would we do that? Slansky growled. With all due respect, sir, if there's something back there that could have anything to do with that. I'd like to know. We have our orders, airmen. Strict orders. From the top. I know, sir, but don't let fear cloud your judgment right now. I need you clear-headed. Can you do that, Quarry? Or do I need to have you court-martialed? Quarry stammered before breathing out and straightening himself, remembering how a military man was expected to act. No, sir. That won't be necessary. Affirmative. Slansky pulled his burrowing gaze away from his co-pilot and returned his attention forward. He spoke as much to himself as to Quarry. We have our orders. We cannot know what the cargo is. We cannot know where we're taking it or why. What we do know is that it's dangerous. And of utmost importance. And that's the end of it. Yes. Yes, sir. Good. Slansky checked the radar and flight plan. Try to get some rest. We've got a ways to go. I'll take over for now. I'll wake you if you're needed. Quarry nodded. Thank you, sir. I'll head down to the cot. Anything you need in the meantime, just holler. I'm a light sleeper. I'll just throw something. Sir, Quarry stood, hunching to avoid hitting his head on the ceiling, and walked through the narrow exit to the area stuffed between the cockpit and cargo hold, no bigger than a prison cell, with similar amenities. Slansky was finally alone. It was him, an empty blind expanse, a flask full of wild turkey, and the thoughts stabbing away at the inside of his head. But he could take care of that now. He suckled at the whiskey until the metal on his lips no longer felt cold. It wasn't the alarms and sirens going off, nor the violent jerks of the plane being thrown to and fro, but the muddled, frightened screams of his co-pilot that finally awakened Master Sergeant Slansky. Sir! Sir! For God's sake, sir! Slansky emerged, grumbling through his stupor, and sat up, his flask unhidden on his lap and the majority of its contents emptied out onto his pants. It appeared as if he'd wet himself. Huh? Huh? What? We're going down! Slansky leaned up and peered out through the cockpit window. It wasn't black anymore. It looked a lot like the earth, and it was getting bigger quite fast. Huh? Looks like it. Quarry dove into the co-pilot chair and fumbled with the headset until messily throwing it over his head, stabbing at switches. Blackbird to base! Blackbird to base! Mayday! We are going down! I repeat, Mayday! We are going down! Slansky pulled his headset up from around his neck, letting it rest askew, one speaker covering an ear and the other dangling over his cheek. 
He picked up the flask and jangled it around. Hey, there's still some in here. Quarry whipped his head around and stared at Slansky in horror. What have you done? You're drunk? You fell asleep and flew us into the middle of a lightning storm. You killed us, you fucking... Then his eyes widened as something dawned on him. Oh God, the cargo. Slansky, the cargo. The plane was now descending toward the earth in a complete nosedive. Quarry, in his panic, hadn't taken the time to strap himself into his seat, and as the plane lurched forward, he was launched into the cockpit window. The deafening cracks of lightning and thrashing gale-force winds exploded everywhere, suffocating their metal coffin. Quarry's body flying past served to wake Slansky enough, and his eyes shot open. Shit, Quarry, hang on! Forget about the fucking cargo. If we crash, we're dead anyway. Give me your hand. He reached out as far as he could while still staying strapped in, barely able to brush his co-pilot's fatigues. Corey, God damn it! I need you to help me. Reach your hand out. Corey was motionless. His face pressed against the glass, his arms outstretched and legs twisted up like a rag doll thrown across a room. The impact had knocked him unconscious. Fuck. Fuck. The ground was growing too close. Slansky could make out the roofs of farmhouses and dim lights in the backyards. They were heading for a wide, flat meadow. Slansky grabbed hold of the control yoke and pulled backward with all of his strength. It wouldn't budge. It was locked in. He pulled again, screaming in anger, slamming a hand against the control panel. Fuck! Nothing was responding. A lightning bolt must have struck the plane and fried the whole system. The ground was all that could be seen through the window now. Time was almost out. Quarry still hadn't stirred. If there was no way to stop the plane from crashing, then all he could hope to do was rescue Quarry and bring him back into his seat. That was his only chance. Slansky reached out as far as he could, desperately grasping at the material of his co-pilot's uniform. He almost had enough of a grip to pull him back. Almost there. Then, just as the plane was about to reach impact, something erupted from behind, right on top of him. A nerve-shattering collision. The last thing Slansky saw, looking up through the narrow passage connecting to the cargo hold, was a massive black metal container, tumbling down straight towards him. It had broken through the steel wall. He watched the object tumbling over him, barely missing his head, and it smashed right through the cockpit window, taking Quarry with it on its way to the earth. Before Slansky could react, there was a brilliant flash of light and brief, immense pressure. And everything went black. Everything was peaceful. The breeze cooled the wounds stinging at his face. His body felt mangled, but in the darkness he couldn't reach for what was fractured. It was quiet. Slansky had wanted that for a long time. The grass was soft and swayed to its own metronome, Whatever storm had caused this raged miles above, only a faint and beautiful echo from inside his ringing ears. The dying cells crying. He lay out on his back and felt the heat from the flames of the destroyed wreckage smoldering yards away. It hardly mattered any longer. His first perfect hope was that soon he'd see them again. A bright green glow broke through the night, growing closer as he faded in and out of consciousness. He wanted to let go and take it with him, but the intensity of the glare brought him forth from his condition, and for some reason he didn't understand. 
his body lifted him up to greet the entity coming closer. The wounds he imagined debilitating seemed to melt away in the face of whatever it was that approached. The glowing entity limped. It faltered and stopped just short. Hello. It was alive. It had spoken. This wasn't a voice in his head, one last desperate release of the synapses before his brain died. He could hear the distance between himself and the glow. He could feel the space. Huh. Hello? Slansky called out, blind. You were alive, it said. Yes, I think, Slansky responded, reaching around in the night for something solid to hold on to. Who is that? Quarry? No answer came. Slansky attempted to stand and called out again, trembling on his knees. Quarry, are you okay? Please don't come closer, the entity called out. It is unsafe. Stay where you are. Slansky quickly realized he was not talking to a familiar voice. Where is my friend? Who are you? I'm not coming any closer. If your friend is the organic mass strewn across the field, he is gone. I am sorry. Are you sure I'm not dead? Yes, the voice called out. Are you hurt? This does not matter, it said. Please just leave me. Maybe I can help you, Slansky blurted out, grabbing onto whatever connection he could find to combat the disorientation. Just tell me who you are. Tell me what's happening. I know who you are, it spoke. You are my captor. You put me in the box. I did not intend to do to your kind what happened to mine. I was only sent to search for our salvation. We did not foresee the repercussions on your people. What's happened was not my intent. Please don't return me to the box. I cannot return without the answer. The fate of my species, of my family, depends on it. Slansky rose to his feet leaning on the leg that wasn't broken. What are you talking about? Is this a hallucination? Who are you? I was sent in peace, it spoke, the green glow still obscuring its figure from across the meadow. My planet is in dire trouble. We are sick. Our people are dying. I was sent out to search for the nearest sentient species similar to ours in hopes we could find an antidote on other planets. There's nothing left on ours. The virus has ravaged us. We are on the edge of extinction. I was sent in the last hope to bring back an answer. I could not have foreseen the virus crossing over to your species. Not with the same force. It was not my intent to create on your planet what's spread on ours. Please, just leave me here to die and cause no more pain than what's already been done. I've failed. Let me die at least knowing I will be reunited with my family. You were the cargo? Slansky spoke into the glow. You were the mission? You did this? I only want to save my family, it said. All else doesn't matter. I have nothing else. So leave me to die, and I won't hurt another soul. I never wanted any of this, just to save them. Slansky stepped forward, shielding his eyes in the face of the creature's brilliant light despite the suctioning darkness that encompassed them. You. You killed my family. You got them sick. You killed my little daughters.
There was a pause as the creature seemed to be struggling in pain. It fell to the ground. How Slansky had made out better was a mystery. I have caused much pain and death to your kind. I understand your anger. My own family will die as well. Please find some solace in my demise. That is all I can give you. Slansky softened. This thing didn't plan for this to happen. It's... It's okay, he said. I would have done the same thing in your position. I would have done anything for them. The creature let out a harsh and gurgled moan. It appeared to be in immense anguish, more than just results of the crash. The virus was coursing through its veins like fire. He recognized the sound. You're hurt, Slansky managed. Let me see your wounds. Maybe I can help. I can at least lessen how much you suffer. No! The creature screamed at him. No! I refuse to cause any more harm to another living being. My soul is already burdened enough. Slansky continued closing the gap between their voices. Calm down. Our planet is doomed anyway. I have nothing left. The least I can do, if there's nothing else, is to help another before I die, like how you've tried. If you come any closer, the creature warned, you were killing yourself. I know, Slansky replied. It's okay. He stepped across the meadow and inched through the green light. It almost held weight, like a thick mist. It felt like a barrier. Beneath him lay a broken thing, closer to death than life. Humanoid in appearance, its small, gaunt body was contorted and twisted from the crash. Its skin was paper-thin and translucent white, so much so that he could see its alien organs coiled in its torso, and what he could only assume was a heart throbbing and pulsating without rhythm. Full black eyes taking up most of its face stared up at him in fear, unblinking. A deep laceration ran down its left leg, oozing a black liquid. You're bleeding, he guessed. I imagine you'll need that stuff inside you. You don't understand, it interrupted. Being this close to me, you'll start feeling the virus tearing apart your insides within seconds. You're already infected. You'll die before you can help me. I'll take my chances, Slansky replied. He pulled out the emergency kit from within his flight suit and tore a strip of gauze. Just relax. This will stop the bleeding. He wrapped it around the oozing wound and pressed it tightly until he could feel the loose pulse bounce against his palm. Here. That'll keep you together for a bit longer. Slansky then took out a long needle and the creature recoiled. No, no, stop. Calm down. It'll take away some of what you feel. Breathe. He plunged the needle into the creature's thigh and let the heavy dose of morphine course through its veins. A few seconds went by. The creature's body eased. What did you do to me? It asked. I took some of the brunt off you, Slansky replied. Just focus on me. You're okay. Why aren't you sick? It asked. Why are you doing this? What are you? Let's just call me a suicidal good Samaritan, he said. Lay back. Let me help. The alien fought through the drug-induced delirium. Your body isn't reacting. 
You should be bleeding from every orifice. You should be crying out in agony. It's within you, taking over, but you show nothing. Are you a... Are you a... God? My name is John Slansky, he said. I'm just me. What are you trying to tell me? The creature coughed up more of the same black liquid that was emptying out of its wound. It trickled down its chin and burnt a hole in the grass beneath it. You are the one. You are the answer. You... you feel nothing? Considering the circumstances, said Slansky, yes, I feel fine. What are you saying? It reached out and touched his arm. It felt like an octopus tentacle, rubbery and foreign. There was no warmth or comfort in its contact. It felt like touching the hand of a dead friend. You, you are what I've been searching for. John Slansky, you are immune. You are the antidote. Before Slansky could take in what the creature had told him, a swarm of blaring white lights tore across the sky. He could hear the roar of their engines coming towards them, mechanical and all buzzing together like a hive of massive bees. Reinforcements. Quickly, the creature urged. Your blood. I need a sample of your blood. Before they reach us. You could save us all. It could be the solution to both our planet's plagues. The fleet of helicopters was minutes from touching down on the meadow. Whether or not what this thing was telling him was true, Slansky knew that his new infected friend wouldn't make it home from this situation. If he didn't act fast, an entire planet's population that he had never met would die. He thought of his family. All right, all right, hang on. He looked around hurriedly, the gusts from the helicopter's blades growing and whipping across his face. I need to find something to hold it. Slansky limped across the meadow back towards the flaming wreckage of the downed plain. He combed through the pieces of metal and glass, enormous broken masses like the shattered skeleton of a giant. But what was left to salvage? Before him was nothing but flaming shards, nothing he could use. He turned around to see the fleet had landed, just yards away from the dying patient Zero lying in the grass. There was no time. He'd have to just pick the little thing up and hide. There was no way it could get out on its own even if he could give it his blood. Slansky stumbled and charged back towards the creature. That's when his foot hit something solid and small on the ground. He toppled over and crashed into the meadow, reaching his hand back in the darkness, feeling around for what tripped him. When he touched the cold metal object, his eyes lit up. He'd become so well acquainted with it in the weeks since his family's passing, he could recognize its shape and properties even in pitch-black night. His flask. Slansky got to his feet and ran as best he could with his injuries back to the creature. The bleeding had stopped in its limb, but black liquid was bubbling out of its mouth as it wheezed. It was so much like him. He couldn't understand how similar they really were. It stared up at him, its eyes, though alien, perfectly communicating the fear surging through its mind. Here, I've got something. Slansky showed it the flask. Oh, hang on. He unscrewed the top and drank down the last bit of liquor still sloshing around inside. It was the one time he realized he could say that the fate of an entire species relied on his ability to chug whiskey. He then pulled up the pant leg where he was hurt, presenting the open wound bleeding down into his boot. 
Slansky pressed the flask against his skin and let the trickle of crimson liquid drip down inside. He screwed it closed and held it out in front of the creature. Good? Yes, it wheezed. Thank you, John Slansky. It gripped its thin, bulbous fingers around the flask and held it close to its body. Well, now we just need to figure out how to get you the hell out of here. You didn't have a plan for that, did you? The creature's response was interrupted. Screams rang out and blinding flashlight beams shone in Slansky's face. The United States military had arrived. A man in a full hazmat suit stepped out in front of the half-circle of gas-mask-wearing soldiers aiming rifles from a distance. Nobody would come close to Slansky as long as his friend was near. He could use that to his advantage until some bright idea came to mind. The hazmat man spoke. Master Sergeant, stand down and step away from the creature. We will get you the proper care, but first, please step away and let us take it back into custody. I'm not sick, Slansky yelled over the helicopter's blades still spinning in the meadow behind them. I know what it is, and I can't let you do that. It needs to get back home. The man paused, confused. You may think you know what that thing is, but Airman, it is far more dangerous than you can understand. The fact that you aren't already showing symptoms surprises me, but you're infected. I will see to it that you get the best medical care we can provide. Now step away and we will take it from here. That's an order. No, you don't understand, Slansky barked. I may be able to help everyone. Just let me explain. Help is coming. What? Slansky leaned down close to the creature. Help is coming. Soon, it whispered. Don't let them take me. Slansky glanced up at the night sky. How do you know? They know. I'm not letting them take you. Slansky! The hazmat man brought his attention back to focus. There is nothing to explain. Now step away from the creature or I'll have you court-martialed and stripped of your rank. Now, Master Sergeant! You're gonna kill it! Slansky shouted back. It needs to get back home. Sir, it has the antidote. What? The hazmat man fired back. What the hell are you talking about? That thing's the goddamn carrier. It did this to us. To you. To your family, airman. You want to avenge them? Let us take this thing and squeeze everything we can out of it to end this pandemic. What do you care if it lives or dies? Because it's only trying to help its own. I won't let you take that chance away from it. There is no chance, there's no antidote, that creature is our only chance, and you want to keep it from us? From humanity? That's fucking treason. I'll have you hang from the Statue of Fucking Liberty. Now step aside. The gas mask soldiers clicked off their rifle safeties and changed targets from the creature to Slansky himself. Slansky stood to his feet, wincing as he lifted the weight off his broken leg. Get it through your thick fucking head, sir. Do I look sick to you? Do I have symptoms? I know how fast it works through your body, and I'm sure you know more about the virus than I do, so you must know that I would be bleeding out of my goddamn ears by now. I'm immune. I'm the antidote. Just as the words left his mouth, a brilliant green light exploded across the sky. Everything stopped. The light that eclipsed the entire night slowly shrunk before their eyes, smaller and smaller, until it was a single concentrated circle over their heads like a jade orb. Arrived! The creature cried out, its voice fading and hoarse, 
From the orb grew a wide green beam, extending down until reaching Slansky and the creature, bathing them in a fantastic glow. The same mist he'd encountered before, thick and tangible, almost alive. Step back, the creature said. Its body was relaxed, the flask tucked firmly against its chest. You must stay and help your kind like you've helped mine. Good being, John Slansky. You are good. The creature's body began to levitate, slowly lifting up into the night. The beam was carrying it away. The hazmat man screamed, Someone grab it! Do something! He was backing farther away from the glow. The soldiers had no idea what to do, gazing idly up at the creature being whisked away into the heavens. Once the creature was almost out of view, shrinking away into a vague white blip in the darkness, the hazmat man snapped back to himself and shouted, Shoot it! Kill it! Don't let it infect one more goddamn living being! Don't let it get away! Slansky leapt forward, crashing into the hazmat man. Stop, you motherfucker! Test me! You can test me! It's my blood that it has! Leave it be! It won't hurt anyone else! It's over! The hazmat man ignored the words and threw Slansky off him. He pointed again to the almost invisible creature disappearing into oblivion. Fire! Now! The soldiers didn't move. They looked around at each other, their weapons loose and pointed towards the ground. Listen to me, Slansky pleaded. The creature was almost completely gone. You have to trust me like it trusted me. I know you're scared. We're all scared, but don't let this virus turn you to an animal. We just may have saved a planet. Now let's save ours. Look at me. He held out his arms and leaned into one of the soldiers' flashlight beams. I'm not sick. I'm okay. Something inside me may be the key to all of this. It certainly thought so. Slansky pointed up to the fading jade orb, its extension now rising away into the sky along with its cargo. We don't need it. Test me. The hazmat man looked around at his soldiers standing in peace at the manic, insistent face of John Slansky, at the black spot in the sky where his target had absconded. The green mist was gone. He reached up and removed the mask covering his face, and exhaled. I hope you're right. For all of us. For them, too, I suppose. I am, Slansky replied. I know it. The night was quiet now. The helicopters sat dormant. Fires from the wreckage smoldered and crackled in the wind. Okay, then, the man said. Let's find out. Jack Moody is a short story writer, poet, and freelance journalist from wherever he happens to be at the time. He has had work published in multiple magazines and journals, including the Saturday Evening Post. He didn't go to college. He likes his privacy. He doesn't have social media. Don't ask him to make one. Contact him at j.moody9116 at gmail.com. This has been a production of the Brick Moon Fiction Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us find a bigger audience. For more information on Brick Moon and special offers, sign up for the Brick Moon Fiction newsletter at brickmoonfiction.com. Thank you for listening.